Hello, everyone. This is Brad Thomas with iRead. I'm back again with another CEO roundtable. Uh, today, I'm honored and pleased to be joined with John Thomas. We're not related, but I am a shareholder. Uh, well, we may be related, actually, but uh, we just haven't gone that far back. But John, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having us, Brad. And so John, again, is with Physicians Realty. Ticker symbol, uh, of course, is it easy to recognize or remember, is DOC. Uh, that's DOC. Uh, so John, um, let's, I guess, talk about COVID-19, uh, I guess, first. I know we spoke uh, right at the end of the first quarter. Now we're in the second quarter. So what's happened uh, really in the, in, the, in the latest quarter, um, you know, positively for the company? I've seen some, some uh, really good trends. Yeah, I think the, um, you know, the, we finished the end of the quarter with, uh, you know, really positive results from actually one of the best quarters we've ever had financially, um, uh, kind of ironically. We didn't, we didn't grow during the quarter. We were very conservative, um, have a strong balance sheet, a great balance sheet, but we ended the quarter with right at 98% cash collections from our, from our tenant base. I think that led the, the industry and in, in I think, one of the best in, in REIT land generally, but it, it certainly led the, uh, the healthcare uh, REIT industry. And um, I think it's a tribute to the investment grade tenant base that we have, the strong large physician groups that we have, and, and really just the, the client relationships that we have as, as well. So, you know, as the, as the quarter uh, played out in April, you know, a lot of the practices were shut down. A lot of the uh, outpatient surgery facilities were shut down and they, they weren't shut down because they weren't able to provide care, but they had to be shut down by the government, by the systems generally, to ration personal protective equipment. And that certainly had a you know, big impact on the surgery centers in particular, who do scheduled care. Um, you know, I think there's a you know misnomer in the in the in the general press, the investment community generally about you know quote unquote shutting down elective surgeries. You know, I, I, when I think of elective surgeries, you think about plastic surgery, things that you may or may not ever, you know, need to have done. The, the real issue is about scheduled care and care that you could defer and delay. So what happened was in April, a lot of our practices delayed a lot of care at the request of the government because of rationing of PPE, masks and gowns and things like that. Um, but all that care came back in in May and June and July as those restrictions uh, were loosened. And then in July, when we saw um, you know, a, a ramp back up or a spike of cases in a lot of markets that were in the Southwest and the South in particular, by that point, the, the practices were able to stockpile uh, PPE. So the system didn't have to shut down scheduled surgery, it just pushed, it just put the surgery in, in a place that would uh, away from where the COVID patients were. So inpatient facilities were preserved for, you know, taking care of COVID patients and then outpatient care facilities, which is what we primarily invest in, you know, were able to take care of kind of the rest of the population, if you will, the rest of the healthcare needs of the population. So again, in the end, strong quarter for us, um, stock prices reacted um, strongly to that. We um, just this, just this past week and just this week, we announced a Fitch uh, investment grade rating that's one notch higher than our rating from the other agencies. So uh, we think we think we, we deserve a higher rating from the other agencies. But um, anyway, Fitch certainly recognized that, and I think our strong cash collections reflected that. Yeah. Well, I've had a couple questions, John, uh, with some of our uh, current subscribers, and uh, two of those questions really uh, resonate around the. Um, you know, uh, technology and how, you know, technology is impacting uh, positively to 
to the medical space, but, but what negative impacts could you see or what do you see in regards to the, you know, teledoc, telemedicine? Is that a trend that you think could uh, potentially uh, um, be disruptive to, to your sector? You know, it, it could be disruptive to uh, the need for clinical office space, uh, certainly. But I think the, the net net, we, we believe, is very positive for the, for the healthcare industry and for the physician community in particular. It creates a lot of efficiency. It's a very uh, convenient service for patients, a very low cost option for payers. You know, it's, we've had the technology for years. And, um, you know, three years ago, we, we really studied, kind of thought about this strategically and said, you know, what, what parts of our, um, our business could be impacted by a rise in telehealth and other technologies that would, you know, kind of reduce the need for the patient to actually physically go to a, a, a medical office building like we own. And, you know, there are certain specialties that it's, um, that can be very disrupted by telehealth. Um, psychiatry, you know, is one that you, you know, you really can have a, you really can do a lot through the telehealth, uh, you know, vehicle versus, you know, going to an office uh, setting is we've focused on investments in procedural-based medicine. So oncology facilities that do uh, radiation, surgical facilities and, and specialties that are highly focused on surgical procedures like uh, orthopedics, general surgeons, uh, spine surgeons, and things like that. It, it's that encounter that can't be disrupted by telehealth, but what can be done is the follow-up visits and some of the pre-visits can be done telehealth. So it's very efficient for the, the provider and now they're going to get paid for it. And until, until COVID, there really was no payment model for telehealth. Now they're getting paid for it. Now it's very efficient for them. It allows them to spend more time in the OR, uh, take care of more patients, uh, if you will. And uh, so we see it as a net-net positive. The, the last thing I would uh, share about, you know, that in particular, telehealth in particular, is, is, you know, a lot of clinical offices or medical offices in kind of the modern design have not taken into account uh, the need for a physician to have a HIPAA compliant, you know, room in their office um, to communicate with patients that typically is done, you know, in person in the clinical, you know, in a clinic room in a clinic setting an exam room. Um, so we're, we're, you know, we think, we think a lot of our physicians will need to, you know, kind of restructure some of the space in their, in their offices to provide for that telehealth uh, HIPAA compliant, you know, room, which will create some efficiency for them. And then at the same time, generate more revenue, which is EBITDA for us. Yeah. And along those same lines, uh, this is another subscriber question really had to do with, um, you know, do you see any opportunities out there where you could provide capital, i.e. loans that potentially could be incorporated into lease structures for financing, you know, more technology for the physicians? Are you seeing an increased demand in that? Or is that something that you all... Uh, consider when you negotiate with the physician's practice in terms of providing them capital other than the brick and mortar uh, capital? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, tenant improvement allowances often allow for and are often facilitate um, investments in equipment, uh, medical equipment in the, in the practice, you know, as well as, you know, telehealth or excuse me, um, internet and, and other uh, technology that can be incorporated into the, you know, kind of the physical plan of, the, of those offices. And that example I was just giving you about, we haven't had those kind of requests yet, but we think tenants will be looking to um, install greater technology cap capability, telecommunication, internet capability, uh, 5G capability. Um, and we certainly would be happy to work with our tenants to, to facilitate that. I, you know, we've looked at this for, you know, several years as well as could, you know, could we just plug a, a 
a better internet pipeline into our buildings and then charge, you know, 10 cents more rent or something like that. And I think now the opportunity may be, there may be more opportunity to do that uh, than, than ever before. So I said, I, you know, well, I think some telehealth will certainly will happen from homes, will happen from vacation homes. <laughs> we've, right. had, we've had surgeons tell us that they've been so busy and, you know, they were, they couldn't do anything in April. And then they were so busy in May, June and July that, you know, now they will still want to go have some summer vacation, but they can build telehealth follow-up visits with their surgical patients, you know, from their vacation homes. But the, but the vast majority of that's going to be done, you know, back in the office once people get kind of a more normal routine, you know, just yeah. create efficiency. So let's talk about, I guess, in terms of, you know, have you guys gone on offense yet? I mean, are you still kind of playing defense? What do you see in terms of growth opportunities, uh, primarily on, in acquisitions out there? Are you, are you still uh, actively seeking new uh, opportunities or just staying on the sideline? Yeah, no, I, we, I mean, we're being conservative and cautious, um, but we've got a, the strongest balance sheet we've ever had. Our, our, our debt to EBITDA is lower than it's ever been. Um, you know, our stock has, you know, rebounded pretty well after, after April, um, in, in particular, it's, it, we started being able to prove out the, the rent collections that we were getting and the stability of our portfolio, stability of our underlying tenants, you know, who are all, all stressed at, at one level or another. But, you know, bottom line is the stock price has been strong. We, we've raised a lot on the ATM, um, and so we've got a, a lot of dry powder. We're looking for opportunities right now. And I uh, think we'll make some investments uh, this quarter and in, in some in the fourth quarter. Um, hard to predict how much yet, but you know, we've, the what we've seen is uh, kind of pre-COVID pricing for medical office uh, on a cap rate basis, if you will, um, is, is still kind of is where trades are occurring. Uh, but at the same time, you know, kind of the quality of the credit and the quality of the underlying real estate, um, you know, balanced with that pricing is what we're looking for. So being very picky, being very conservative, but we will start. Uh, assets soon. So in terms of cap rates, I know the uh, the Duke deal uh, portfolio sell kind of set the bar in terms of pricing. Um, where, where are you seeing pricing today? Is it is it low fives and in, in kind of in that range or what's the what's kind of the market looking like today in terms of pricing? Yeah, so you know the market's been uh, you know, looking at pre-COVID and, and talking very bluntly about today or directly about today but you know, pre-COVID, uh, you know, best-in-class assets were trading at kind of a five and a quarter, low low fives to, to mid fives kind of ranges, um, and that's that's still the pricing today. We we've got our pipeline is really focused on about a um, five and a half to six percent first-year cash yield kind of cap rates, and so we're finding opportunities there. Not not huge volumes of opportunities, but we're finding attractive opportunities in that range. And, so I, you know, I think for now the the cap rates will will stay in that range between five, you know, mid, low fives to, to six for higher higher quality investment grade, uh, high quality physician group uh, tenants. Again, once again, just like two thousand eight, two thousand nine, uh, medical office has proven the resiliency of the of the asset class. Um, you know, even now more than ever in this in this pandemic. So. Well, of course, one thing that differentiates you know your company from some of the direct peers is the longer term leases and investment grade, uh, you know, operators or tenants. Do you see an opportunity in this COVID environment to do some sell, to, you know, conduct some sell leasebacks? Do you see that any, is there any, you know, any, any more opportunity out there to, with direct, uh, you know, financing with some of these uh, hospital systems? 
Yeah, we're, we're seeing more uh, in, in the near term, we're seeing more short-term demand for new development opportunities directly with the health systems. Uh, we, we're involved in discussions with several right, right now, um, you know, who are planning some things, you know, stalled with COVID and then, you know, now have to kind of ramp back up those, uh, those plans. They may have tweaked a little bit because um, I think people are learning, you know, kind of what they need in a, in a medical office building on or off campus that may be different than, than, than pre-COVID. So we're incorporating some of that. And, you know, we anticipate there'll be some, some hospital monetizations to restore capital accounts, capital balances um, as, as they've been impacted, you know, both on their, their uh, endowments, their stock, you know, stock endowments and investments, uh, but also, you know, COVID's had a, a huge hit on the expense side in particular. And then as hospitals had to shut down the scheduled surgery and elective surgery, you know, during April and May, like, uh, excuse me, April and March, you know, that was a big hit to revenue which that revenue can come back as we talked about before, um, but they've already burdened the expenses from COVID. So it's gonna be a tough year for, for hospitals. No, I mean, I mean it's, it's obvious from, you know, all the financial data, all you've seen from the reports, a lot of them are being supplemented pretty heavily by the government. And that's uh, showing up in, in kind of positive cash flow, but, but we do expect um, some hospital monetizations, you know, in 2021, and that's what we're really planning for. Okay. Well, and I guess, you know, kind of forward looking, we, we using analyst consensus, we see uh, about 6% growth in, in um, excuse me, 3% in 2021, 6%. This is our consensus analyst in 20. So, and, you know, so our, our, our model looks pretty, uh, you know, pretty good in terms of future. Uh, but looking back at the historical trends uh, since you listed, uh, shares, you started out with, a, I know we've talked about this in the past, your, your payout ratio was uh, practically 100% when you listed, but you've, you've gradually been able to, um, you know, get that, get that payout ratio down uh, to a really more manageable level. How do you feel about that payout ratio today, especially, you know, in this COVID-19 uh, environment? Yeah, I mean, we're, you know, we're preserving cash. Uh, we don't need to cut the dividend by any means. Uh, we have the, we have the best, uh, you know, kind of fad margin again this this past quarter we've ever had, and that was a, a tribute to a low lease roll, uh, which again you mentioned we have those long term leases, which again requires you know very little capex to keep tenants uh, you know kind of happy in the building, lease commissions and things like that that you that you encounter with a lot of a lot of lease roll, and then um, you know we think that we think we can continue to widen that spread, um, you know as we can get back to some accretive growth, uh, again cautiously in the near term, but, you know, more aggressively in 2021. So, you know, we, we, we've got good coverage today. We don't anticipate, uh, we, we anticipate to continue to grow that coverage and, uh, you know, ship position as well for a, a dividend increase in the future. But, you know, we think, you know, there's a lot of top line growth. We think the most important number is the bottom line growth with our fad growth. And we're well positioned to continue to grow fad, uh, you know, much stronger. Great. Well, John, I think uh, that's about all my questions here. I, I, I want to thank you again for jumping on this call. I uh, hope everybody's safe there and, um, you know, look forward to uh, seeing you here. I guess the next one will be the virtual NARI, um, you know, but uh, ho hopefully we'll see you in person soon. But, but uh, wish you the best and thank you again for joining us today. Thanks for your time, Brad. Hope all your, uh, your family's safe as well and uh, look forward to seeing you in person soon and, and the next Zoom. Thank you. Thanks, Brad.